0: This is episode number 36 with our guest, Jason Berkowitz. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hello there guys. Thank you for tuning in and joining us. Welcome to the studio. You are tuned right into the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. You know I am your host, Josh Carey. Let's get right into this. My guest today is the founder and CEO of Break the Web, Inc., which is a digital marketing and search engine optimization company. That's SEO to you and me with more than 10 years of experience. Now, what I love most about this is that I spent a very similar amount of time in the exact same industry doing much of the same thing for clients. So I get it. I like it. I appreciate it. We have plenty to talk about, including improving your reputation and visibility online, managing a big team, and picking yourself up after a failed business. Let's get right to it. Say hello and welcome, my guest. It's Jason Berkowitz. What's going on, my man? Hey,
1: Josh. Everything's going great. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. So a fellow New York City-er. You're sitting in New York City now, right? I spent a great deal of time there.
1: I am. I am. The city that never sleeps. A little muggy out here, but uh, everything's still moving. Were you born
0: and raised in New York?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Western Long Island. Uh, They call it five towns, but I've lived here my whole life. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I love it. Like I said, I, I, I don't hide it. I, I'm a fan of New York. I've now migrated south to the Great Garden State of New Jersey to do the whole marriage and children thing. A little more land, but I always long for the days I get to, to, to come in, see a show, have a good meal, and just feel the energy and the vibe of those streets. There's really nothing like it.
1: Absolutely, and you really touched on a really good point land that 's something that i 'm very envious about also I want land, I want space, and you can 't really get that in the city, so it 's kind of a twofold in a way where uh, hopefully the future will get me a get me out of the city a little bit more into the suburbs uh, somewhere essentially
0: all right so you you've created this. SEO, digital marketing industry, again, one that I know very intimately. I spent uh, the better part of a decade in that world serving clients, uh, I'm guessing in the same way you do, uh, although I know you're on a much bigger scale. But I know that this industry specifically getting business owner websites to rank in Google when an ideal client is searching for the product or service they provide – I know that this is a very competitive industry, and I also know that it's an industry that when you're dealing with clients, more often than not, it's like smoke and mirrors or like magic to them. They don't really know what we do or how we do it or how the end result happens. They just want it done, and you know we have to follow a very specific process to make it happen, but since there's so much intrigue on that, uh, on that point, there's a lot of trust that has to go into it from the client side to you to say, okay, help me make it work somehow in your magical way. And you're very successful in this. With it being such a competitive industry, what do you attribute that success to for yourself? How did you break that mold? I
1: think being the opposite of what you just said. Being transparent with what you're doing and how you're doing it has been the biggest thing for us. When I first started as a freelancer, I actually called up all the uh, air quotes, big SEO agencies out here in New York City to see what they were doing and what I might not not like as a prospective customer or a client. And at the end of the day, it became a number in the system, uh, less real personalization within the campaigns itself, as well as, uh, quote unquote, secret tactics that they can't really share. Now, I'm not saying that your SEO company has to tell you every single little piece of details of what they're doing, but the essentials, you know, we know, um, within basics SEO, we have on page SEO and we have off page SEO on page SEO is everything taking place on your website. So you should definitely be aware of what's going on within your website. If they need to make any changes, um, you should be in the loop with that 100% and off page SEO really consists of what we call backlinks, sending trust signals, relevant trust signals from around the web, to your website, and that's how Google recognizes your website as trust, as trustworthy. And if a company doesn't want to share the backlinks with you, or they want to, don't want to explain the process of what they're doing, it might be questionable, especially because um, backlink building could run the risk as well if they go for a certain type of quality that isn't respectable.
0: So you touched upon trust, which I think is so fair, so valuable. How do you, as the company, how do you get clients or potential clients to trust you?
1: Uh, That's one of of our big selling points, to be honest with you, is the transparency factor, as well as case studies, uh, a proven method of success. Also, no contracts is a big one. A lot of big SEO agencies need to guarantee revenue for themselves. So they'll do six or 12 months. Uh, one one of the selling points is that we say is we have to earn your business each month. So with that being said, if you're not seeing results after six or seven months and you're investing a lot of money and that ROI isn't there, then I wouldn't blame you if you look at, if you have to take a second look at what we're doing as an agency. So uh, those are the biggest things is that uh, showcasing what we can do, how we've done it, testimonials, case studies, um, explaining that we are a transparency agency. You get access to everything that we're doing, whether it's uh, seeing all the data in real time with analytics and rankings, as well as backlinks we're actively producing for you. Uh, You get access to all of that. So that's been our greatest asset in establishing trust with our prospective client.
0: You've worked with some pretty big names. How many people are on your team right now?
1: I believe as of now, we have slightly over 10, maybe 11 or 12, uh, but 10 full-time 100% that are uh, helping with the execution processes and pretty much everything under the hood.
0: How do you stay on the top of your game?
1: Um, That's the hardest thing. Probably um, since for me as the business owner, uh, I've set a lot of accountability for myself, meaning that if if we're hitting a stall point, it's likely my fault. And I have to remind myself that every single day, if we're not growing as the person who's in my business in charge of business development, that's my fault. And then since I'm the SEO nerd that kind of created the systems and the processes, if our execution isn't up to par, and that's something that I also have to take a look back at and see what we can do to fix that as well as get results for our clients, um, it's really holding myself accountable.
0: That's so... Impressive because I, I fully agree that um, you, you use the F word which I know people sort of cringe at fault. It's like, you know, yeah. somebody wants. Oh, no, no, it's not my fault. It's his fault. He didn't do it. Why am I taking the blame? Well, it's actually powerful and in your benefit to own it to take the fault and to move on and say, okay, this is my doing, my being, which means I can now change it instead of making what the opposite is an excuse and saying, oh, well, if he didn't do that, this wouldn't have happened. Well, forget that. Take ownership, take responsibility, and that's what you're doing,
1: right? 100%. I think a lot of people like to make excuses. I think they call it in psychology attribution theory, where you fail to take accountability for for things happening around you, where it's easy to, like you said, to put the blame on somebody else or something else that may be technically within your control, but you like to say just because something didn't work out, oh, it's this reason why this happened. It's this reason, as opposed to saying, I just didn't do it right, or I didn't work hard enough, or I didn't want it hard enough, Um,
0: 100%. Why do you skydive?
1: (laughs) Uh, Because I'm crazy. No, um, it's actually something. I was actually working out this morning and I was speaking to a guy in the gym that I work out with, and he asked me the same thing because we had a conversation about two weeks ago that I skydived. He said that he wanted to do tandem. I said, okay, I'm driving up in two weeks, let's go. And I had a realization about a year ago that uh, we were in Arizona on a lake, Havasu, and everyone was jumping off this cliff. And I jumped off, I uh, went, climbed to the top of the cliff into the water, and I was looking down. And I'm like, why am I nervous? why am I scared? 10 years ago, I would have done it in a heartbeat. And obviously when we get older, we tend to grow more fear in life and fear in things. And I loved skydiving to begin with. I did about six or seven tandems beforehand where I'm attached to somebody else. And I realized that if I'm loving this so much, I'm wasting my money doing these tandems. I might as well get my own license. And then, um, yeah, I just want to eliminate fear and some excitement in life. You know, I sit at a desk all day and then fly through the skies at night. Not technically at night, but Um, That's really the big reason. And it's probably been like my most favorite hobby I've ever done. It's absolutely nuts, insane, exhilarating, euphoric, uh, exciting. Uh, Every synonym under the sun.
0: I love that you said uh, as we get older, we accumulate more. Fear. I can attest to that. It took me four decades to accumulate all the fear apparently I can handle. And then I said enough's enough and then just started working day by day, slowly but surely to unravel all of that gunk, that fear and say, I got to release all this, which it's exhausting to accumulate all that. And I'd like to hear about how, 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 why you think that as we get older, we accumulate more fear when Perhaps it should be the opposite.
1: To be honest with you, I think it's maturity. We're more mature in the way of we we think about things. Jumping off a cliff into water may uh, have a higher probability of injury if we had a rock going down. If we land in our back and or our belly belly flop, we start thinking about these things more, which allow us to get inside of our own head and be our own worst enemy. Um, that's just my example, but um, I think we're able to see things more clearly from all angles and see that um, that fear is what's controlling us because we're seeing things more clearly. So in my example, again, jumping off a cliff, uh, it's scary because, yeah, at the end of the day, I can swim, but it might hurt. I might hit a rock. I might break an ankle. Uh, I might land upside down, whatever it is. That fear was causing me from making that initial jump. I did jump. Uh, it was an awkward jump. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I think.
0: How many years ago did you first jump out of a plane?
1: 2008, when I was 18.
0: Oh, wow, so 10 years ago. Have you ever jumped? N- no, not, <laughs> not yet, although I've, I've always you know I, I've gone through phases. At, at points in my life, I thought, no, no way. But then somewhat recently, I thought, you know what, given the right time, given the right opportunity, I think that it's got to be. I think that it's something mm-hmm. I will do and should do, certainly, at some point be time, be, before my time here is, is over. But what's interesting is next week, I'm actually going to Vegas for some business. And at the Stratosphere Hotel, they have a variety of thrill ride experiences, Mm -hmm. as they call it, experiences. And I've been to Vegas a handful of times before, always avoided this. And now this year, I've said, you know what? I'm doing it. I'm doing the sky jump. So I'm oh, yeah. absolutely planning it, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's not bungee. It's just you're, you're tied. And then you just like jump. Repelling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, repelling. Like exactly. Time. You just jump. Uh, and it, I'm sure it's, it's slightly less than free fall. It's not free fall certainly, but it's as close as you could probably get without, uh, three. I don't know how many feet up, many, many feet up and you just jump. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a little, Quote unquote," scared in my core about it, but I'm like, I'm doing it. I have to do it, especially at this point in my life that I'm all about overcoming and working through the fear. I'm like, first of all, I know that it's going to be one of the most exhilarating experiences. I know that for a fact. So it's interesting to just sit and say, well, then what am I scared of?
1: Yeah. you
0: Follow, follow that
1: three second rule. I think with any life decision, you know, if once you, For example, jumping out of the stratosphere, once you have that clear to go for it, if you wait more than three seconds, you're getting in your own head and you're thinking, overthinking it. They say go, just go. Just just do it. Don't overthink it. Um, that's a rule that applies to anything in life. Jumping out of a plane, making a business decision, speaking to somebody, uh, speaking to a girl or a guy at the bar, or whatever it is, uh, follow that three-second rule. Don't get inside your own head. And I think you will absolutely love it, as you said.
0: Yeah, and, and that's, that's applicable to, like you said, every single thing we do in life. We have all of these in our head, these things that we're going to tell ourselves. And 99.9% of the time, those things never show up as we even thought. In fact, the opposite does, and it's a great big win. When you were 18 and you first went up in that plane, what were the sur- surrounding circumstances? What brought you to that plane at that point?
1: Um. I've always been a wannabe extreme, extreme sporty guy. I've always done scuba diving since I was in my low teens. It's not as extreme because it's a bit more actually chilled and relaxed, but it's out of the ordinary. Uh, Snowboarding, skiing, and all different water sports. So um, that was something that everyone talked about as being one of the most awesome experiences in life. And, you know, it's really safe when you're attached to somebody else who knows what they're doing, has made thousands of jumps, so why not give it a go? That's what my logic was. Again, a bigger risk taker than I was a year ago.
0: So, so you went up some nerves, I guess?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I was also excited. You know, um, I talked about, I remember a little bit after that, I used to always talk about that feeling of just hanging outside of the plane, getting ready to jump. And I'm waiting for the instructor literally to pull the weight into me so we can fall forward. And just that feeling of that wind in your face, looking down and being so high up. It's like what you see in a plane, but there is no window. There is no barrier. It's right there. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. And uh, my, my smile is insane right now just because I love it every single time I jump. I'll send you some videos I have later uh, of myself doing it, but it's absolutely amazing.
0: That'd be cool. And, and you think that that experience and then the 10 years of other experience has helped form a successful aspect of your life?
1: Absolutely. I think it ties into being a risk taker. Any entrepreneur that uh, goes on that journey is essentially a risk taker. They're leaving something that's comfortable. They're leaving something that's steady, whether it's a job, whether it's um, an environment. And they're taking that risk in starting their own thing, whether it's a product, a service, a company, uh, whatever it is. It's definitely ties into being a risk taker in life. You know, no entrepreneur has not taken risks a double negative.
0: <laughs> I love it. So true. I want to I go back and learn how, how you got to this place in life. Take us back to the very beginning, if you would. What was Jason Berkowitz like as a young child growing up? What was that family life like?
1: Uh, I was a weird, energetic kid um, that uh, had a little bit of hyperness to him and thought he was funnier than he probably actually was. So um, I was that kid, and I always wanted to make people smile, make people laugh. I um, always had a weird uh, tech side of me. I always loved new technology, reading things online, getting those magazines, and just watching the world literally change as I was young in terms of new technology. I remember when Garmin first came out with their GPS, that thing was ginormous, but it was the coolest thing, because you can have a GPS in your car now that tells you exactly where to go. Just throw it on your dashboard. Hopefully, those weighted pads keep it down, and it was the coolest thing awesome memory but yeah that was that was me just being weird played a lot of video games um tried working out a little bit to kind of fight bullying uh eventually these kids that were bullying me became my friends later on so um yeah that was what kind of bullying was it i think just because i was really super hyper hyper it's it i'm an easy target um so i was silly and hyper it's easy for somebody or a group of friends to pick on somebody who's putting themselves out there in terms of like, okay, this guy's stupid, or this guy's an idiot, whatever it is. So um, you look back at it now and it really like, yeah, somebody called me stupid now, it's whatever, it's no big deal when you're a kid, you know, it really hits home a little bit. Uh, so yeah, to kind of toughen up, I started working out at a young age and exercising. And, um, and then years later, my friends used to have a joke, you know, uh, Jason started working out to beat up all of us because we were bullying him, but then his plan backfired because he's friends with all of us now. Uh, but it was all in good fun, um, just, teens being teens and bantering with each other, but yeah.
0: As a young child, was it a very uh, typical household? Um, I grew up pretty orthodox in the Jewish
1: community. I went to a private Jewish school growing up. Um, I am a child of divorce, so I did grow up with my single mother and my two other siblings. So is it typical? If I don't think it's definitely not typical, but it's also um, nowadays it's a bit more common, unfortunately. But yeah, older brother, older sister, a um, couple years older than me. Both, you know, very close with me and whole family. We try to be as close as we can. And
0: what was the big, um, what was it like growing up then with a with a single mom in that in that scenario? It uh, didn't
1: mean that we had all the means we wanted and everything we wanted. Um, there were days where the fridge was pretty empty. Um, we did go hungry. I remember going to school sometimes and I used to try to cop people's leftovers from the hot lunch the school provided. Yeah, and then um, on the other hand, I remember getting a job when I was really young. At 13, I used to work uh, Thursdays and Fridays after school at a local deli, cooking barbecue chickens <laughs> in the back and then cutting in into fourths and eighths. Yeah. So
0: you, you said you, you would go hungry. That's, that's incredible. Did your was there any- starving,
1: but um, I definitely had a little bit of room in my stomach.
0: Was there any dialogue around it in your family? Did anybody talk about this or was it just sort of unspoken? At the
1: time, it was unspoken. Um, now, uh, we kind of look back and smile at it, thankfully. Uh, my whole family, my mother and my siblings are all doing well for themselves, are all living a comfortable lifestyle, so it's something we can look at and, and smile about. Oh yeah, I remember coming home and all we had was this or all we had was that, and there really wasn't anything to eat, so. Yeah. As far as you know, why did your father leave? Um, I think they just probably weren't compatible. I think at the end of the day, some people just aren't meant for each other. And that's probably one of the reasons.
0: And did you have a relationship with him on the weekends or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Usually on the weekends. And what about today? Um, so-so. Okay. So now you are living in this situation. You get yourself a job because you're motivated and you want to make money. And how's that all work out for you? It must be extraordinary feeling.
1: Uh, getting a job to make money, uh, yeah. It's At actually, a young age, right? Yeah, it meant that on the weekends, on Saturday night, I can go out and buy pizza for myself or pay for my own movie ticket. Or uh, a year later, buy a cell phone. I was using my friend's cell phone to call everybody. I had all everyone's numbers memorized uh, in my head. I used to use payphones. Um, if I really wanted to be rude to my friends, I would call them collect <laughs> on their cell phones. Uh, yeah, it, it meant that I had a, a little bit more of a childhood in a way where I could have a bit more spending money for the things that I wanted to do with my friends and I don't have to sit at home twiddling my thumbs while getting FOMO, fear of missing out.
0: Exactly. What did you feel like you wanted to do uh, once you graduated high school? Where was your ambition at that point?
1: Um, it was weird because I graduated high school early, which I guess can lead on to a ginormous conversation. So I got kicked out of a uh, private Jewish school at the age of 16 and went to another experimental school where their goal was to get kids out of high school as fast as possible.
0: Why did you get kicked out?
1: Uh, to sum it up in short words, drinking.
0: Oh, at 16 or? Yeah, wow,
1: partying, uh, just typical teenager stuff. And
0: and they frown upon this.
1: Uh, well, I don't blame them, yeah. <laughs> um, but they were going through a merger and a lot of internal politics with everything and trying to reframe the image of the school. and. Um, so me and about two other kids out of that whole, maybe what could have been 40 to 50 people who were involved, um, we got kicked out. Um, and yeah, so I went to this other school that their goal was to get kids out of high school as fast as possible. And they did that successfully. They got me, um, a high school diploma. I took all the required exams of all the regions here in New York and I joined community college right after that, not really knowing what I wanted to do.
0: Which college was that?
1: Nassau community college.
0: Oh yeah. I know NCC, it. CC, yeah. Of course. And um, you, you did not complete.
1: Uh, I did a year there and then actually transferred to a college in the city, Truro College, where I was had a, getting a bachelor's in science and biology, working towards a master's in physical therapy. Hmm. Very, and- very different.
0: Yeah, and you're still uh, working out, creating the body of your dreams? Um, The
1: best I can. Uh, When you're at a computer all day, it's kind of hard, and you create a lot of muscular imbalances. You know, sitting at the computer makes all the muscles tight, as opposed to when you're uh, young and fit, or when I was a personal trainer years back, you know, you're being active literally all day. So it's easier to stay on top of it. But, yeah, uh, usually in the mornings, I get my workout in.
0: So what happened as you enter your 20s?
1: Um. I just really wanted to figure out what I wanted to do. I couldn't see myself being happy as a physical therapist. You know, I, I think it was something that was suggested to me uh, what to do in life as opposed to being able to think for myself. And I just went along with it because I, just, I probably didn't even know better. And I had a, uh, a defining moment or one of my many paradigm shifts in which I said, this is really not what I want to do. I'm, I am not enjoying the school. I'm doing well in school, but I'm, I'm really not enjoying it. I'm not passionate about learning the next lesson. And that was a sign for me to realize that this isn't for you. And I just took a chance and I
0: dropped out right
1: there and then in in the interim between semesters. And what was
0: the next step?
1: uh, Becoming a personal trainer until I could find that next step. It was something that I was good at. It's easy to get a personal training license. To, to be, to be frank, so I started working at Equinox in New York City because they had a pretty decent clientele. Um, it's a good place to make some okay money as a trainer. It's very competitive, but if you if you do it right, you can do well. And uh, that was my platform until I figured out what I would do next. Uh, I know I don't want to be a personal trainer in life. Uh, I think I don't bash personal trainers. I think that they're awesome. For me personally, um, it's exhausting to be motivating twenty four seven. It's really exhausting. And I found more passion in my own fitness than uh, other people's fitness, which is selfish to say as a trainer and realize that obviously I'm not a good trainer. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of a stepping stone in a way.
0: So it seems like you've had an entrepreneurial spirit all your life.
1: Uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was 100% entrepreneur in the direction of, of going out on, on my own, starting my own thing. Uh, but at the time, yeah, it was, I was hustling. I guess we'll call it the grinding every day uh, mentality.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you stepped into this SEO world almost by accident and by necessity, right?
1: Yeah, I was looking for ways to market myself as a trainer. I was working at Equinox. Things were going well. But um, to be honest, the commissions and the prices for training sessions are split. You know, the house gets money and we get a smaller percentage. I wanted to um, get private clients, go to their apartment gyms because there's a lot of luxury buildings out here in the city. And that's where the real money is. You can charge $75 to $100 an hour and you get to keep all of it. And I was looking for ways to market online, how to get more clients someone went from how to get more clients to how to be found online, how to get people to come to you, how to market online, how to market on Google. What is SEO? SEO is an acronym. SEO is a real thing. Uh, how do I learn about SEO? And yeah. And then that was my other paradigm shift to realizing that, um, I've always been a tech weirdo. I've always loved technology. I love browsing the internet It was something I've always was a fan of. I was like, SEO was something that I can do. I can do to market myself online and get more clients. And in that process of trying to market myself, Um, I started doing other other websites. and started ranking other projects to try to uh, uh, rent these websites out. So I remember one of them was a New York wedding photographer. I created a website. And my goal with that was to, it didn't work at the time, (laughs) because I wasn't good at SEO. But my goal was just to send the phone number, calls, and all the leads to them. And they pay me. Just a way to make extra cash while I uh, do my personal training business. And then it became an addiction. (laughs) I became absolutely obsessed with SEO and checking the rankings not every day but almost every hour uh, manually before they had a before i was able to afford rank trackers so yeah it became a giant obsession
0: i love that you said you when you first discovered this whole seo thing and building websites and ranking them your your desire was to build what became a new york wedding photography website that you were able to rank to a wedding photographer and you said it didn't work out but that's more than okay right because even if this was in the beginning that's that's your training that's your study that's your school right 100 percent trial and error if you're not failing you're not succeeding you know all these different
1: mantras that they have but um it's definitely a learning lesson and also at the weird time um, when i started it was a weird time in seo where google's algorithms started releasing a whole bunch of big updates that shook up the industry uh they call them google panda at the time and everything that was working at the time stopped working a couple of months after I started. So kind of had to start from scratch and relearn. But um, yeah, I think failing definitely gained experience. You know what didn't work and then you can work towards what does work. And then once you start seeing a process of what does work, continue repeating it until you formulate your own, I guess, process or framework to replicate it.
0: And I think so many are fearful of even trying or attempting because of what may be the result, which is a quote unquote failure, which it's not a failure. It's a try, it's a do, it's a thing. It has a lesson, right? Your your New York wedding photography process website, I'm sure had a massive lesson in that. You have the experience now, you learned something and you can move forward from that. And it took me years and years to realize that Like you said, you have to fail in order to succeed and you hear it all the time, but how often do we put it into play?
1: 100%. You know, I'm able to use, and I still today, even when we have a new client, those initial checks that I should have done behind that uh, photography website, initial works, executions I should have done uh, are still resonate with me every single day today to make sure that uh, don't forget this piece. Don't forget this piece. Don't forget this piece because you know what happens. What happens is nothing. (laughs) <laughs> Nothing happens if you uh, don't do those. So yeah, it's definitely a learning lesson, but also created a habit to make me more aware of what I do in the future.
0: Creating a habit so important. Another thing that I am living, breathing, current proof of. Um, I've and I continue to displaced all of my bad habits. Got very um, uh, in tune and admitting what the bad habits are. You know what your bad habits are. Oh, yeah. You absolutely know what they are. You just try to justify them. Well, no, no, it's not me. I have to do that because not, no, no. Once I said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. This is, this is, this is a terrible habit. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad. I asked myself, what do I need to stop doing now? And the answer is clear. You just have to be ready, willing, and able to do it and then replace those badder habits worse habits with better habits. And then you just do that and you, you stack them and you build on yourself. And lo and behold, you slowly but surely become the, dare I say, person you want to become and can become and have always had dormant inside you. That's the way I feel, that it's always, it's always been there. At a very early age, it got stifled for all these plethora of reasons. And then you just start unraveling them and then life can be extraordinary.
1: I agree one hundred percent. Can't argue.
0: How did break the web come about? First of all, tell me about that title. What does that mean?
1: Um, Kind of bouncing off all those viral terminologies that were going around, and I remember, you know, whether it was Kim Kardashian or Ellen DeGeneres, they were breaking the internet, and I kept seeing news articles over the course of what was it, maybe a year or two coming up, and. Um, I wanted to do a rebrand. So when I was a freelancer, I had this website seo services um, But as I wanted to grow into a formidable agency, instilling trust, SEO Services New York doesn't really sound like a very good brand name. You're also limiting yourself to one specific service, which is not bad. But uh, we ended up wanting to become an inbound marketing uh, agency overall. Um, it just doesn't sound good. Hey, I oh, what agency do you own? I own SEO Services New York. It's it's a search term you know it's an exact match domain so um i was thinking of ways i just i think it came up pretty quickly actually um i did a whole bunch of na- uh business theme generators they have online just to trying to sprout ideas and everyone kept saying um i found i found a lot of agencies that were doing kind of like it's not a phrase so to speak but something that's actionable and that's where i saw everyone was doing break the internet break the internet why don't you break the web you know your business break the web and that's where it kind of came about you know
0: and what was that, from that moment, what, how did you connect the dots from where you were to now, I'm going into this break the web thing?
1: It actually came pretty quickly. Once I thought of break the web, I checked um, namecheap.com to see if there was any available domains. The .com was taken got in touch with the person who owns it, refused to sell it, and now it's just sitting on a blank website. I think maybe it's redirecting or something. He didn't want to sell it, which I don't understand why. Uh, so we ended up registering the .org and I'm like, this is an awesome name. You know, it sounds professional. It says what kind of implies what we do or web involvement. Um, and it's catchy. And ever since then, it's been a couple of years and ever, ever since then people say, I love that name. And it kind of helps reassure me that I made a good decision. But even at the time I was like, this name is awesome. It rocks, break the web. Yeah,
0: I I love what you said about what what you're saying there is you trusted your intuition, you trusted your gut, and I've learned for for a long time really to just trust my gut, trust my intuition. You find that for yourself too?
1: Yeah, I actually had another agency name before that which we uh, used for a year, but I wasn't too happy with it. I knew I needed to break away from SEO Services New York, but I didn't know what it should be. Uh, so originally we were Hyper Web Marketing. But again, that's also, you know, it's like 90s, you know, <laughs> it's like late 90s, early 2000s type name, you know, had hyperspeed. So yeah, I just had that in the meantime, because I knew I wanted to do something a little bit different. I couldn't be SEO Services New York. And um, I kind of stalled on that new business name for quite a while. And then I would say mid to late 2017, it was when I said, okay, we got to uh, switch this up. So a couple of years on SEO Services New York, about a year and a half to two years on hyper web marketing. So listen, if you want to attract higher, better clients, if you want to grow your business, if you want to attract talent, you know, that's the idea is, you know, our talent is everything. Our people, our processes, our systems, everything. And who wants to work for hyper web marketing? You know, I think Break the Web is like, yeah, I work for Break the Web. And uh, we have gear, we have T-shirts and mugs. And definitely looks a lot cooler than uh, uh, hyper web marketing or SEO services in New York. But yeah, having that, that assurance that I made a good decision is is awesome. You know, especially when you know you're doing something right even in SEO. You launch a campaign that you're a bit hesitant about and it brings success. It's the most gratifying feeling.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure like you, I I've heard from so many clients who come running from other agencies or SEO people that are just disastrous.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they a lot of I don't blame the clients because it's it's it makes sense logically to do what they've done, but they tend to go for the cheapest option. And they learn the hard way, kind of like uh, what we mentioned before about uh, you try something, doesn't work out, doesn't mean you should give up. And majority of our clients have been through that where uh, we'll try to bid on a project for them. Uh, they may not go with us because while they loved our service, our sales process, our pipeline, the whole funnel, whatever, um, they were, we weren't as competitive enough. And then a year or two goes by and they're saying, oh, crap, we actually would have probably saved money if we went with a better solution to begin with, then uh, sometimes we'll re-engage conversations. They'll reach out to me. Uh, sometimes if I'm bored, I'll reach back out to them. How's your campaign going? I'll look at your metrics. It's not really going as well as I think you uh, were expecting. Uh, would you like to talk? You know, and uh, they definitely have been screwed over, especially because agencies aren't really evolving and Google's becoming more advanced and uh, the tactics, the algorithms are becoming more advanced and people really stick with the old school tactics, which is still surprising even nowadays. I've been saying that, that line since 2014 is agencies aren't evolving, but it's still true, surprisingly.
0: Hmm. How did you get from there to these big name clients and 10 plus people on your team?
1: Well, I definitely uh, will admit that that's, um, I didn't do it alone. I seeked out mentorship from people who were doing it right. So I was able to invest in that sort of mentorship, and instead of having to go through the trials of my own and all those years of bad hardships, uh, thankfully I was financially secure in a place where I could invest in consulting by people who were doing it right, whether it's creating SEO execution processes, standard operating procedures, whether, whether it's learning how to effectively grow an agency, how to attract talent, how to keep talent, uh, how to attract ideal clients, how to keep those clients. You know, I definitely didn't do alone. And I think that's been the biggest thing, joining masterminds, uh, getting coaches and mentors in this process has been probably one of my biggest assets.
0: And they say that every successful person has that and should have that, that every successful person has their own set of coaches and mentors.
1: Yeah. It's like that saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, you know? Um, I try to bring value where I can. That's initially how I learned SEO, is I networked with some people who were doing very, a very good job at it. And I didn't have money to pay them, so I tried to offer an exchange of value. And by that, it was giving uh, exercise programs and diet programs for them and their entire family. So they knew I couldn't afford them, but my goal was to say they're not gonna coach me for free. A lot of people also, like they ask for handouts. And they say, can you please uh, teach me how to do SEO? I don't have money, but please teach this. And, I feel for them, or we would feel for them, but there has to be some sort of value exchange. And it might not be marketing or SEO value, financial value, but I think it's coming down to looking at what you can provide somebody, something unique about you. And for me, um, a lot of these marketers, we can, we can honestly say most marketers aren't as fit as they could be. So that was something, especially because this guy's wife was telling him, you need to go to the gym with me in the mornings, and he's like, no, I have to open up my emails in the morning. and. It was valuable for him. And his wife absolutely loved it. Uh, he loved it because he started changing his life. And I loved it because I was able to grow myself. Speaking of
0: the mornings, what time do you get up in the morning? 5. <laughs> 5 a.m. You do get up at 5. I... I envy that. I'm working my way towards that. I used to get up uh, you know, closer to seven, then it was inch yeah. back to six thirty. And now for the last um, while it's six AM, which I'm like, okay, great, six AM. It's wonderful. I love getting up at six, but I'm aware that there's that there is that five AM club out there. And I'm like, my goodness, it's gotta be amazing it's definitely
1: not amazing especially now as the times are changing outside i like oh, waking it's pitch up
0: dark when i get yeah. out
1: six. oh my god i used to uh, not used to a couple months ago i was waking up at 5 30 in the morning and it's breaking sun, uh, sunlight sunrise is coming up and it's nice so it's a good feeling but when you wake up and it's pitch black it's just exhausting and mentally drains you out and you're not ready for it. you may lay in bed on your phone for an extra few minutes or so um but yeah for me waking up early meant i can get more done in a day I think most people are wiped. I think we've developed this internal clock that when it hits like five or six o'clock, it kind of like phases you out of work mode and you're just mentally drained, you're exhausting, you need to unwind. Uh, some people can go past that, which is absolutely awesome. For me, um, my, I was doing the same thing. I was waking up at 7 a.m., uh, taking a lunch break or so. Uh, I have a gym in my building, so I'd go downstairs, work out for an hour, come up. but Also, uh, my workouts weren't as good because when I was down there working out, all I could think about was work. SEO. So I knew that I probably had to get up earlier, get my workout done first thing in the morning, uh, come upstairs and also not rush my morning to get by the computer by 8.30, 9 o'clock. You know, I get to down, drink coffee, read a book while I'm drinking my coffee and unwinding and ready to get into work mode. And then I'll just start my day. And now I don't even take lunch breaks anymore. I'm at the computer from probably about 9am to sometimes it could be 7pm just straight. I don't get up until my watch tells me uh, you need to stretch.
0: Ah, the watch telling you I love it uh it's true though what you said about um there's that phrase and I think a corresponding book um own the day by owning the morning or something like that it's about like you said if you if even if it 's an hour or two, whatever it is you, and, and and that's what prompted me to get up earlier than I was instead of just getting up, and I have two small children, so you know there's that um and and I'm like, well, I, I can't just get up, get in the shower, rush around, get the children ready, do my thing and then go about my business. No, even an hour prior to that, which is what I get now, at least 60 to 90 minutes uh, if, uh, of quiet time. And I own that morning and it's my time and I get to I get to run and exercise on the treadmill. I get to step outside for a few mm. minutes and it's just beautiful. And then my day starts in control that way.
1: Yeah, it's really funny. Um, Mark Wahlberg does these interviews a lot recently and talking about how his mornings, he wakes up at like three o'clock in the morning, works out, goes, plays a round of golf in his backyard because, you know, rich people problems.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and, <laughs> exactly. And, oh yeah, the, you know, the golf course back there.
1: Yeah, I just work down in my gym in my downstairs yeah. or in the, the, the right wing of the house. Yeah. And then I go outside, but I, I go home, shower, eat a little bit, play a round of golf. And then I come home Uh, family time, you know, and um, I'm not crazy enough to do it three o'clock in the morning. But uh, like you said, it definitely gives you a little bit more time to do you, especially when you have a family. Uh, You definitely need everyone, every member of the family, even yourself, you need some time for yourself. You know, if you don't, then you're not taking care of yourself. And it's about your well being doing what you want to do what's fun for you. If it's reading a book, watching, catching up on an episode of something, uh, you definitely need your time.
0: Mm -hmm. Without excuse without making excuses. What mantra do you live by today? Um,
1: I have a mantra, but it's not a like, laid out in words. But I think a lot of it uh, comes down to, again, being accountable. And one of the things that I tried living by was, if I'm out, even if it's a weekend, if I'm out learning something new, it's a weird day. And I try to at least read a chapter of a book I'm into every single day and just maintain accountability. If something isn't working, why isn't it working? Did I skip a week of reading? Did I not listen to something my mentor told me? Did I just, uh, was I impulsive? You know, I have a sticky note on my computer that says, don't be impulsive. You know, so um, that, that is just making myself accountable is one of my mantras. And again, um, we have our core values in our agency. So those are kind of mantras in itself. Uh, but yeah, I think it's being accountable and being personal.
0: You also strike me as someone certainly through this dialogue as someone who's self-aware.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so. It's, I think being aware of everything that's happening and that ties into accountability. You know, most people aren't aware of the fact that they are in control of their own life. Mm. If you want something, make it happen. If it's beyond your control, then yeah, obviously you can't really have any factor there, but you know, whether if you do want to become an entrepreneur, take that risk. If you, again, if you speak to people and you have a nice business plan or whatever, take that risk and become an entrepreneur. And um, that definitely is an awareness thing.
0: Yeah, and becoming accountable is, is same as uh, owning that responsibility, which bringing it full circle to that F word. It's your fault, and that's powerful. And it, Again, it took me so long to really understand and embrace that. Not that, oh, if I'm angry or frustrated, it's because of that person and what they did or said. Guess what? No, reverse that right now. It's not about that at all. Nobody's controlling your thoughts or feelings. Think about that nobody's controlling them. So if there's a trigger there, you own it, you take responsibility and figure out, okay, why am I getting so angry here? What is at the root of me that's really making me angry? It's not this person. Forget this person. Don't give them that power. You keep it. It's yours. Maintain it and figure it out for yourself.
1: And you're probably hanging around with the wrong people.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. There's yeah. that.
1: And that, and again, that comes into your fault. It's your fault that you're hanging out with people who don't make you feel good.
0: It's a choice. It's yeah. your choice. Choose yeah. better people or things or actions. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's that's what I'm saying. Is it definitely comes down to surrounding yourself with people that are uh, equal to you. Do you believe everything happens for a reason?
1: Um, I like to think it does. Um, I'm not very spiritual. Um, but I like to think that things happen for a reason. It's easy to say when good things happen that things happen for a reason. Uh, it's more annoying when bad things happen. I like to try to look at it the other way. and say, is it something that's in my control? Yes, if it's not in my control, then maybe things happen for a reason. Um, it depends. I, I, me personally, I like to think it does, but uh, to be honest, I don't, not 100%, probably half and half.
0: In what ways might you be spiritual or religious today?
1: um not very many ways to be honest with you again um my belief again it ties into uh just being accountable for yourself you know no one's going to help you do what you need to do except for yourself so that's my idea and instead of like you know i know it's also like with laws of attraction and telling the universe something um sometimes i do believe in that i do have a vision board which is kind of counterintuitive to my beliefs but I use it in a way of not only telling the universe, but telling myself every day. So when I look at my vision board every day, seeing my goals, skydiving for the longest time was on my vision board of, it's a picture of a guy hanging upside down and flying through the air. And I was able to take that picture off the vision board. I use pictures for my vision board. Another one was uh, dogs, because I wanted a dog, put myself in a place where I can logically have a dog, where it makes sense, uh, have a dog. Um, everything on the sun, weight, Weight loss. You know, I had a goal that I wanted to hit. I had a picture of a scale with a certain number on it. So it wasn't more so for the universe to uh, see it and provide me. It was more so to remind myself of my goals, remind myself of what I want to achieve, so I don't lose track of anything.
0: Well, then let me ask you, Jason. What do you think happens when it's all over? Uh,
1: when it's all over, i uh, maybe define it's our lives. Um. um It's definitely a very controversial topic. Um, I simply don't know, to be honest with you. I'm open to interpretation. I'm not the sense that, oh, that's it, we're done. Like a battery goes dead. I I just simply don't know. Is it something that I try to focus my awareness around now? No, because if it happens, it happens. You know, and obviously if it happens, there's nothing I can do about it. I simply don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but I just don't know and I'm open to all interpretations of it, all different religions, all different things. So I'm more agnostic in that, in that regard.
0: Very mature, open-minded answer. I appreciate it. I value it. I will leave you with this final question. Jason Berkowitz, how would you like to be remembered? Uh,
1: Helping businesses grow. That's really it. This guy helped us grow our business from A to B. That's really it. That and for the people that are around me, probably just um, made them feel happy. Yeah, uh, You know that I, I have a promo video that I recorded a while ago, but uh, I had this line from my Angelou, people will forget what you said, they will forget what you did, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. So people in my personal life and even maybe my employees or my, my relationships, um, that's probably how I would like to be remembered from a business standpoint, just um, I brought success to people, I helped them achieve their goals.
0: Well, you've certainly brought success to me through this dialogue. You've made me happy through this dialogue. So, so far, so good. You are on track, and I appreciate you. I, uh, I like everything you're doing. I like everything you're about, and I want to thank you for opening up, giving us your candor dialogue, and for spending time with us today. Really cool guy. I appreciate I, it. I appreciate it as well, Josh. I love your energy.
1: Uh, your very knowledge will be at our chat before the recording. Um, this was actually a real pleasure to be on here. Some podcasts aren't as, as fun as others, but this one was genuinely enjoyable and I, I love the energy you brought. You know, it allowed me to wake up a little bit from my work mode and take a break.
0: Well, that's a win. Big, big win. I can now go and relax the rest of my day with that. Truly, I thank you. Because, you know, I always say that I'm, Anytime I hear any piece of feedback from somebody, I'm all ears because I can't assume how everything or anything I'm doing is being received. And I'm always intrigued to hear um, how it resonates because the worst thing would be to, to, you know, assume it's landing some way and it's not. So thank you for that. Really cool.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Josh.
0: Absolutely. And everybody tuning in, I appreciate you. If there was something that you heard today and you are inspired to do something with that, whether it's jumping out of a plane or not, take action. Make something in your world happen because that's the only way things get done. They do not get done staying in your head. That's where they begin and then follow through with that We're going to follow through with another episode close behind until we do everybody out there, go get them.
1: Thanks for listening to the hidden entrepreneur show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation
0: going with Josh Carey and today's guest until next time.